Welcome back to uh, our latest episode, the next episode in strategy in the virtual controller. Uh, my name is Damien Grayshead and I'm um, back sitting in sunny Sydney. It's it's actually uh, beaming through the window at the moment um, after a couple of weeks of rain uh, and after a couple of weeks in the US. Penny, um, it was wonderful to see you face to face in, uh, well, in, in, in uh, Laguna Beach last week. Uh, how are you? I'm doing fine. It was meeting your uh, new uh, addition to your family and your wife. Um, he's a cutie. <laughs> he was such a happy baby. And boy, did he ever turn the heads of every woman in that restaurant. <laughs> uh, no, and, and we, um, later that week, we jumped on a 14 hour flight, uh, back to Sydney and, and he charmed the flight attendants and, and the other passengers around us as well. So yeah, he, uh, he is an absolute cutie. So, um, thankfully <laughs> 14 hours on a plane is a very long time with a, with a, a child that's not, as um as charming as, as Gus. Yeah, that's true. That's for sure. Because I've been on a few of those. Yeah, I think we all have. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, Penny, last uh, our last episode, we we talked about the definition of client accounting services, client accounting and advisory services, client advisory services, or CAS as it's being referred to, and and actually sort of discussing this idea that without a really clear definition it's very difficult for firms to be successful. And, and a lot of firms um, look uh, are looking for a blueprint or are looking for an off-the-shelf solution for this, uh, this uh, CAS offering, but ha- actually haven't given thought to what it is they're doing, what it is they're not doing, um, and how are they actually delivering a, a CAS solution or a CAS service to their clients. So last episode was very much about defining what you are doing, what you are not doing, and then also making sure that um, the, the things that you're not doing are being taken care of by someone in the network, because we can't actually do really good business advisory and and, and cash flow forecasting and all of the, the, the fun stuff if we don't have really good timely numbers, the actual bookkeeping side of things. So making sure that we're getting both aspects done um, and today, I, I, uh, we're going to discuss the organizational structure and how that has to be different um, for CAS to be successful. A, a lot of accounting firms fall into the trap that they use the, the, the exact same organizational structure as their tax or audit department. And, um, and we know that, that that is not the most ideal organizational structure and and. and also, quite importantly, um, how do we organize the business so that come tax time, uh, the, the team that's responsible for CAS isn't just sucked into, into tax and, and um, CAS gets ignored for, for three and four months of the year? Because we've, we've certainly heard stories of that, haven't we? Oh, yeah. All the time, every day, nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> and... and, and I think as well, we've done a couple of episodes on this before where the actual next hire in your firm shouldn't be another bookkeeper or accountant. It shouldn't be another you, but instead um, thinking about this role of of client success manager, client relationship manager, um, even, an, even a client administrator. Uh, is is a way of thinking about it, and you've you've sort of named this person Beth, and and you coined the phrase "every firm needs a Beth." So who's Beth? Beth is um, 
an amazing woman <laughs> that, uh, works for one of my clients and um she was would she's what would originally be called the old gatekeeper but um she's very personable um she doesn't hesitate to pick up the phone and contact a client um she also keeps the client she knows when to keep the client within a framework of you know what the cpa in this case she will answer that question i'm going to give it to her don't worry i'll take care of that she'll get that she'll get that answer to you um but right now this is what's in front of us in order for us to get that question even contemplated we need this information and you know things like that she she's not only the gatekeeper and the gatherer of information she also um she also maintains some administrative work you know she handles in this case cuz it's they have two offices and they have uh, about four remote employees they have three with me obviously although we don't necessarily deal with her our only time of dealing with Beth is we don't have this source document to complete our work. Otherwise, we're talking to the account managers, but the account managers rely on Beth to onboard the client. Um, new technology, new client comes in. This is the way we roll. It's all defined, including, you know, down to this is our standard chart of accounts. This is how we are going to do business. These are the apps that we are going to use as a base. I'm going to be the one that trains you on that. And then once we're comfortable that you know it, then the account manager will be answering anything or asking anything that has to do with accounting. I will not answer or ask those questions. I'm, I will ask you for documents. I might forward questions on, but I'm not the one who's going to be making that answer. So it's very, her role is extremely well defined as somebody who assists and facilitates the client and the internal people working in the firm, whether they're remote internal or whatever. And um, she works basically out of one of the two offices, but she keeps them very well connected. And um, and basically, the I, I think that's really interesting in terms of defining that role, because in most firms, the bookkeeper does it all, don't they? The bookkeeper chases for documents. The bookkeeper probably fields those first questions about how do I reset my password? How do I use this? How do I use that? Sometimes it's actually even the partner that's answering or, or, or these questions are being um, asked of. And, and the, the partner has to, in the old days, wander down the hallway to, to work out how to actually answer some of those questions. But I really like, I really like that the role and the responsibilities are clearly defined for Beth, but I think also clearly defined for the client. These types of questions go to Beth. Actually, just go to Beth, and she'll probably she'll be able to triage appropriately. Yeah, she'll, send- she'll triage and she'll put you point you in the right direction. And it's not to say that somebody else couldn't possibly do it. It's not that. It's that. What's the better use of time, and how do we train the client on recognizing the value of your time, and? That And that's not to put down the value of Beth's time. It's just that this is what Beth likes to do. Beth's not a bookkeeper. She 
doesn't have any interest in doing bookkeeping. She's smart enough to figure out the terminology and the need. <laughs> She's smart enough to know better. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But she, she understands the needs of what the account managers and the CPAs in the office need. She understands the work that they're doing and the output and the goals of those that work. She's included in all of the uh, team meetings. That's an important one, isn't it? Yes. She is included in the company retreats. Um, she is often the recorder of all the information. Um, and she has, you know, I've been on a few uh, sessions with them. And she has good input, and her input is not about debits and credits. It's about, you know, how does this client actually respond? And how does this client actually behave? Um, so, you know, I use the term Beth as a generic term, and I've seen this person. Obviously, there's another one called Lisa who works in another office that does the same thing. And But she was she's just somebody that I see that is the most efficient about it, and she's very much she's extremely proud of what she does and um and she honors the work that gets done so um that's why i like i like the way she approaches it so um she puts a lot of a value in uh what it is these account managers and the cpas do and she understands her value within the the company they all are aware of her value so it's a very respectful position too um, and and I think one of the um, offshoots or, or uh, as a result of someone like Beth being that first point of contact, I know I, I have a funny feeling this firm that you're talking about is is very systems driven and very process driven, but also one of the, the nice things about Beth taking on that responsibility is a consistency in a client experience. Yes. Whereas again, um, we if it, it, in the traditional firm where either the partner answers those calls or the bookkeeper fields a lot of those questions, there's very much a different experience depending on who picks up the phone or who the client manager is. Whereas in this instance, the the client experience is very much consistent. Um, across across the entire client base, and and that's going to have a, a profound impact on on customer satisfaction, client referrals, um, uh, the, the even just the the relationship between the client manager and the actual client, because that that friction of, of of asking for information and the friction of where's this that's all taken out of the relationship, isn't it? Because Beth essentially is that is that person. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that you're trying to get the client to be consistent with you. You have to be equally consistent with the client. You can't, you can't sit there and excuse me, bitch, about the client not giving you something. When you're not consistent about how you approach them to request it or to... Um, are, are consistent with them on the product that you're going to deliver to them. And the product has to perceive the value because um, the product should be presenting the value because it, it's, it's within the product that you give them that you find the value and the numbers and the, the ways in, that you can assist them. And, um, you know, in one of the sections of uh, 
my uh, book, I talk about the best client to have for that. And that's part of when you develop your idea of cast, you also have to define the best client that fits it. And um, there's a young woman named Elizabeth who worked for uh, Bedrock County who put together a questions list to ask clients. And now she's talking to small business owners who need to ask them how to define their client. But when I looked at it, I said, you know, an accountant should ask those questions. Should be too. doing the same thing, yeah. And she's not an accountant, but she works here in the county. And she said, I would say, she's an Elizabeth is a Beth also. Yeah. And uh, she's a fantastic Beth. And um, she, uh, she gets the emotional level of what an accountant is feeling very quickly what an accountant is feeling but also probably what the client is feeling that empathy well, as well Sorry, what the client right. is feeling very quickly. well as you were sort of saying that and 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 understanding and communicating the value I, I was sort of thinking back to my receipt bank days where um where you'd have to coach accounting firms on how they position technology with their clients and that nine out of 10 times the client, the, the accountant would sit with the client um, and say, I need you to use Receipt Bank because it's going to make my life easier. Um, and whereas I, I think a Beth is, is going to say, actually, you need to use a Receipt Bank or whatever it is or a Relay or, or whatever, because it's going to make your life easier. You're not going to have all of this paper clutter in the office. You're not going to have, and, and it's just going to make your life infinitely easier. And I, I, I think uh, Beth, without the bookkeeping background, which is a which is a, a bonus, means that she gets to to understand and is, and probably develop a deep sense of empathy with the client that actually allows her to talk their language uh, rather than the bookkeeping language, which which I think is sometimes a bit confusing for clients. Yeah, and also I think that, you know bookkeepers. A good bookkeeper likes to do bookkeeping, right? Yep. A good accountant likes to do accounting. And you always default to what it is you like to do the best. And so, and I do it. I'm sorry, I do it. Maybe I'm different than everybody else. But I'll procrastinate off stuff I don't like to do. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe you'll be like my son who, like, when he was a kid and he had to eat his vegetables, he'd always get rid of the vegetables first because he knew it was the worst part of the plate. And then oh, he right. what he really liked to do. But the thing is, he only does that with food. He doesn't do that with work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but I mean, um, you know, like cleaning his room just wasn't going to happen. Um, but, you know, you pick and choose what it is you, you want to do. And um, when you have... 30 or 40 tasks in front of you every day. And one of those tasks happens to be, or several of those tasks happen to be clients who don't respond. You're just not going to go out there and do it. Well, Beth gets them to respond. Uh, Beth knows. Beth has taken the time to know their mobile number. She, she's got all that data in at her fingertips in the workflow, in the CRM that's connected with the workflow. Um, she has no compunctions about picking up a phone or, or sending out a text message. And she knows the person in the office to get to if it's a business where they're not. Because oftentimes you'll ask the business owner the question, the business owner, like, no, I don't do that. Somebody else. Yeah, good that. point. You know, so um, she's got she's got the time to, to flesh that out. And that person may change. She's always aware of that. And, you know. When I talk to the account managers on in this particular office, 
they're always busy. It's not like they're flaking off. They're, they're putting in time. And I had to tell you something. We're always busy. There is no yeah. waiting for the next document to come in. It's always there when we show up. So the, the amount of work that we're pushing out is consistent and it's focused. And because it's consistent and focused, it's done with very little, because everybody makes mistakes. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. But the, um, the, the, the few amount of mistakes for the number of hours that we're pumping workout surprises me. And I believe it's because of the focus and the systems and the clear communication and the facilitation of the client. Now, one of the other things that this other Elizabeth Beth, <laughs> who wrote that list of questions, and I've told her, I said, you know, you should sell that to accountants. <laughs> and you know what? If somebody's interested, I will ask her and then connect the two of you <laughs> because I think it's a brilliant list of questions. And I didn't write it. She did. So she should get all the damn credit. Um, I mean, I have my list of questions, but they tend to be a little bit more pragmatic and hers are a lot more. Emotive? Like, what are you trying to? They get down to the emotion of it. What's the pain? Yeah. Um, So, uh, but the other thing that she brought up is that um, you have to define the, the, the scope of the work for the client. And, and, and I, she brought it up and it, it resonated with me because we had this other client who also has a three-person team with us who actually put out a message in Slack saying, hey, don't ask the client so many questions all the time. You know, we had, you know, it's like they're, they're good with just quarterly basis. These clients are just quarterly basis question clients. So there's no reason to just do this every single month. Um, so it was like, okay, well, let's organize the clients and the tasking that way, Right. And, you know, the client, you have to define what it is the client wants from you. You might, you might be doing CAS. That's true. You might have defined your, your vertical and you want to do client advisory, whatever it is that you're advising on. But not every client may want it all the time. So defining the client's requirements is also part of it and knowing what those requirements are. It was really good that she, that that other firm told us, Hey, listen, for these clients, we don't have to do this as often. And then when Elizabeth said, you know, I actually had a client say, Hey, I don't need you bugging me every month. Could you just do it every quarter? Could we just do this once a quarter? They didn't change how much they, they were willing to pay. They knew that the work was going on. And, and that quarterly meeting might have been a little bit longer than if they've broken it down every month, but that's the way the client wanted it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think you have to, I think you have to define that, but know that you're still adding value every month because you're looking at those numbers. Then, you know, that's all. No, no, no. I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I, I remember um, working with some firms and, and they were like, well, we sort of get to a point where it seems like our monthly meetings are just routine and 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 they're very short and and I feel as though they're actually a burden for the client. And and my response was, well, why don't you just drop it back to quarterly? Mm-hmm. Obviously, if anything comes up between between meetings, you might flag it with them and say, yeah. look, if we need to jump on and have a call just to discuss 
a shortfall of cash or, or something that we noticed, an anomaly, that's fine. But what happens if you just drop it back to quarterly meetings? And they're like, well, they're paid for monthly. And I was like, well, just drop it back to quarterly and see what they say. And you know, you're behold, still doing the work monthly. You're just having yeah. the meeting with them, say quarterly, and you're not and you're not bugging them every month for a missing this or missing that. Like we have, we have like some some accountants will say, look, it, I don't care if you don't have all the information, at least reconcile that 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 transaction actually happened. We can always yeah. go back in and put the information and reallocate it later on the quad. When we have a meeting, but we still, but they still know that the money in, money out is actual. Yeah. And if there was any big discrepancy in the ask my accountant account, that would definitely say something like, "Well, maybe we have to have this meeting." That's the red flag. That's hey, wait a minute, guys, you just did something, and I know we're not supposed to have our meeting for the next quarter, but we have to ask you this question because it's kind of important. But you know, that was. <laughs> That that that's like you know asking what's your materiality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a client. They'll go, huh? Well, <laughs> you know. But I mean, you can define that. You know, what what's gonna what's the one thing that would trigger an immediate call to a client? But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that I think that if you're going to systematize and you're going to do CAS, you really have to be aware that there's only so much CAS one person can perform in a given month based on the type of clients they have. And um, if you are taking every kind of client out there, your amount is small and you increase the number of clients you can take and do this with based on how closely you niche them or niche the technology that you utilize to do it. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean it's a it's it, it's kind of a combination of again, what do you want to do, who do you want to do it with, and what are the tools you're going to do to produce it in a consistent format in order for you to provide whatever it is that you've promised your clients that you want to do. And and I think if if we go back to a, another episode, I, I think it was around the pricing when we we touched on pricing. But it was also about giving yourself the space and the mental capacity to actually look at the client's business on that consistent basis to see where you can add value. And you may not you may not have anything to discuss with them that month, but making sure that you've built in the time to actually look at the look at the client file, look at what's happening in the business and to see if there are trends that you need to bring to the client's attention, if there are other um areas that you need to raise with the client. I think that was the other thing that's really important in this client advisory um, section is, is making sure that you do factor in the space to look at the client file with that analytical mindset to see where is it that I can add some value? Maybe not this month, but make sure that I'm having a look at it. Make sure that that's factored into my my billing. Make sure that's factored into my price so that when uh, when something does come, I, I've always got that time locked in to have a, a, a really close look at that client file so that I'm ready for that quarterly meeting with some with some really quality insights. Um, that well, was the other it, thing for me. Answer, answer this question to me. If you're looking at a client's file every month, maybe you spend five or 10 minutes in it, but now you, you've, you've got a pretty good understanding of everything that's flowing in there. 
And the clients, you know, like, you know what, I want to meet with you once a month, but I, I'm, pay, I'm paying a flat monthly rate, but once every quarter, I would like to have a meeting with you, whether it's face-to-face or virtual, whatever, however you want to do it. But you're looking at that client stuff every month, even if it's five minutes. And during any given day, something may arise, whether it's something that the, the state government where you're at it does something, or it's something with the local economy of a, if you're in a smaller town, or if it's something with that particular type of vertical, because you're so nuanced into a vertical that you understand all the ramifications that are going on with that type of business, regardless of its location, uh, or if there's a federal issue that comes up. Are you telling me that if you're not sitting down at dinner and you hear some news or you read an article or you hear something that you're not thinking about your clients and how it's going to affect them. And could you tell me, isn't that billable, valuable time? Mm. Yeah. Or do you just shut your brain off and when something happens, you don't think about your clients? I don't think so. I don't see it. I have not met an accountant who is like that at all, ever. You know what they are? They're always thinking about their clients. And, and so... One of the interesting things I found also, um, Penny, is Beth's also thinking about those clients as well yes. because she knows she knows them. She she knows what makes them tick. Knows what 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 they're what they're paying for. What they what excites them. What what their goals are. Beth's also on the lookout for for the, mm-hmm. for this type of stuff she as well. Is. Yeah, I've seen her do that. I've heard her do that. Um, but so so I mean, don't don't short change yourself and think that you know. You're just billing them for the times when you're sitting down in front of your desk. It's the fact that you know their numbers, that the rest of the world going around and spinning around, you're paying attention to and you're relating issues back to that business that you're doing work for or back to that high net worth person that you're doing work for. You're thinking about them in the back of your mind related to that. That's your value. Yeah, and, and I think also um, the a trap that uh, practitioners fall into as well is like, oh shit, I haven't done anything for them this month. Oh, and 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 I think they fell into this this idea of I've I've got to send a, a fancy deck of reports every month. Oh um, fuck that shit. <laughs> But, but but that's again it's it, this idea of well I, I have to do this every single month and and again the the feedback from the clients when when we were talking with firms was like I don't look at those reports I'm actually I'm I'm actually uh, relying on you to identify the two or three things in that report that should that we should be talking about so so don't feel as though you have to and and this sort of I don't mean to detract from any of the reporting apps, but don't don't feel as though you've got to spend a, a, a significant chunk of change to get a fancy reporting app and deliver these uh, nice, colourful graphs every month and reports every month because I can almost guarantee you that your clients will not be looking at them every month unless, of course, you sit down with them and, and help them understand what's actually happening in the business, what the numbers mean. So don't feel as though that's where... Or, or don't make the mistake that that's where the value is in this report. The value is in, as you were saying, Penny, that I'm thinking about your business, that I'm I'm looking at the numbers, and and when things arise, that's when I'm bringing them to your attention. I, I think we fall into this trap of shit. I've got to do this month in, month out, and and we sort of get ourselves into a, a tizzy producing reports. 
and also thinking that that's where our value lies in these in these reports. Well, yeah, if you take your time to do those reports, you're not going to have time to pick up the phone when you have that brilliant moment when you're listening to something and realize it's about to affect one of your good clients. Mm. And, you know, so and if you don't have a Beth and if you don't have the systems in place, you're not going to have the space in your brain to, to make that connection and to, to, to actually pick up the phone and say something to somebody like the guy <laughs> that we had years ago that got this whole damn thing started when he said you shouldn't have bought that semi <laughs> after the fire. After, after. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, didn't you read the reports? I mean, that's how it all got started was mm. the, the sheer shock of hearing somebody say that to us and realizing that if we had just known, you know, maybe we would have made a different decision. Yeah. Um, I- you know, you know I've, uh, I just, I just was visiting uh, a client who happens to also do a little bit of trade out on work. So I just got a facial. <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, you know, she's going, she goes, listen, um, this is, what do you think of this idea? Um, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, absolutely. If I were you, if I were anybody in this, in this, in, in this environment, I said, I just got off the phone with my daughter, who she was also the person who my daughter did her clinicals with. Um, I said, I just got off the phone with my daughter, Maggie. And I said, and she said, she's doing the same damn thing. She's like, she's going, she's preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. Mm. Uh, what's going to happen with this economy? And I said, I think you're, I think you're, you're wise to do what you're doing. And it was just simply acknowledging her concern. And uh, it's as simple as that sometimes. And it's like, she knows I'm in her stuff every month. I probably spend a whole two minutes in it because we've been doing her books for so long that there aren't any questions left. We know exactly what she's doing and we've got her so systematized. She doesn't do anything outside of that without first asking us. And, um, you know, so it's real easy for me to say, yeah, I absolutely agree with it. I think that's a really good idea that you do that right now. It would not be a bad move on your part to uh, save yourself a lot of grief. So uh, based on what's what's rolling down the pike here, I would do that. Yeah. And, and, and even and, if it doesn't happen at the worst case scenario, the, the best case scenario is you're going to be sitting pretty regardless. Yeah, exactly. You've got a, a bit a bit in the bank to, to to weather the storm. And and I think, as you said, as with with what is happening currently in the economy, I I, I think your most listeners' clients would be absolutely delighted to hear from their accountant or bookkeeper just to be like, hey, sh- should we sit down and have a, a closer look at things, and even just sort of answer any of your your questions or concerns? I, I think that would be a an amazing way to um to to build this side of the business and and really grow the advisory side just by picking up the phone and, and calling some of the clients and you say, look, should we sit down and just have a chat and make sure we're, we're good for, for what might be coming down the, the line? Yeah. And whether, whether good, bad or ugly, yeah. um, let's prepare for the ugly and hope for the good. And uh, maybe we'll be somewhere in the middle. Um, um, Penny, I, I, I sort of digress here. I, I have no, a question. Yeah. I have a question for you. A couple of months ago, and uh, uh, one of the episodes, and and this sort of goes back to, I I think it's a sort of a Beth related uh, question. You mentioned that in um, your firm that you brought in a number of. I'm not. I won't. Maybe I might not call them Beths, but you brought in a number of administrators for the team. Do you remember yeah, that? that was- 
That was a battle. <laughs> I, I know that was a battle at getting them in, but I, I sort of wanted to check in and, and maybe that's maybe we can uh, uh, discuss in more detail on our next episode. But the, the theory was that this would free up the team to focus on the, more, on the client work and the administrators to focus on the admin work. I just sort of wanted to, to check in to see how that's going. That actually has been, to me, a godsend. Uh, and to my partners in India who, who balked, <laughs> how dare I bring somebody into this building that's not an accountant? Not- <laughs> um, they are relishing in it. Um, it has freed them up to uh, do more tra- training. It's getting things done that we always talk about and get hot, as my mother would say, you did a half-assed job. Um, you know, <laughs> and she would do it. <laughs> my mother was tough. Anyways, um, you know, and all of a sudden stuff is getting, you know, started getting done. And um, we unfortunately, the first one we got, God, she was great. And uh, during the uh, pandemic and the shutdown, um, she was living in a hostel, which was horrendous. Um, and so we helped her get back to her native town so that, you know, she could be with her family. But when we opened back up, we had to find a new one because she did not come back from that location outside of uh, Chennai. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it took us a while. We went through two of them before I found one that I really liked and that I seem think worked and, and she's been at it now for four months and she already needs to hire her own assistant. Mm. Um, and now I'm struggling with her to help you, you. It's okay. You can give up some of this work. Believe me, there's a lot more I can be giving you. Um, so yeah. And, um, but also through the work she's doing, we are finding talents within the building that we already have that we didn't know we had. And that's been a pleasure. Um, she is, uh, she is facilitating so well that she's drawing these typically very shy ladies out and we're finding talents that are pretty cool. And we're finding what people like to do and uh, we're organizing our teams better. And yeah, so I think that there was just a lot of benefit to having those non-accountant people, not only working with us, but working with in the business with us and and being involved in all the meetings and and um yeah been very good brilliant and and so i think that's sort of a a nice way to round out the episode of of whether it's a beth or or whoever this person is um there's a skill set needed in your office that is not debits and credits and and that is um this this administrative role this client service manager role um bringing somebody skilled or with those skills into the business will free up um, the team, will free up yourself, will will probably deliver a, a better quality product and service to the clients. Um, and so if, if there's anything for, for listeners to take away from today's episode is, is 
think about that position, think about the organizational structure in your business. And if you want to get serious about CAS and client advisory services, then you're going to need someone in this role. You might already have that person maybe on the front desk and, and maybe their responsibilities can be increased to 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 uh, to, to cover off more of, of what needs to be done. But without them, it's going to be very difficult to 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 deliver on what you're promising to clients. Yeah. And then, you know what? All it does is get everybody frustrated. Yep. Um, so Penny, why don't we leave the episode there? I think next week we can sort of talk about now that we've got this sort of got this Beth person or, or, or whoever in, uh, we can actually start to talk about maybe, um, the remote workforce and workflow and, and, and some of the, that more interesting stuff. How does that sound? More interesting, more complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, folks, uh, if you do want to, to catch up on any of the previous episodes, you can go to satvc.co. So satvc.co. Um, you can obviously find all the episodes on your favorite podcast platform as well. Please do us a favor. If you are enjoying, um, leave us, leave us a, a review. That certainly helps us uh, improve in the, the Apple podcast rankings. Uh, but Penny, people can find information about you and your services where? And moneypennyllc.com. So moneypennyllc.com. You can also find uh, ourselves on LinkedIn. So if you do have any questions, uh, I think there is literally only one Damien Greathead. I don't think there's too many other Penny Breslins on LinkedIn. So please do link with us there. Uh, drop what us your questions. What about in Australia? What is, what's coming up with the pike? Aren't you guys getting into busy season there? Well, yeah. So end of financial year in, in, in Australia. So accounts and bookkeepers are sort of heads down, bums up, um, working on, on, on tax and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and the year end closes and whatnot. So, uh, they're busy on that front, which gives us a little bit of breathing room because they're, they're not too keen on, on talking to, um, providers, but there's been some, some interesting news in, in the accounting space, um, here in Australia as well, which maybe we'll touch on in our next episode. Oh, that would be fascinating. Okay. Sounds good. Well, Penny, uh, always a pleasure. I look forward to talking with you next week. All right. Have a good one, Damien. You too.